You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of The Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, here we are back on The Batuta Advocate radio show. Uh, you're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, and of course, editor-at-large Errol Parker. And today's guest, we have probably one of the most high-profile constituents of the Dixon electorate, proud North Brisbane man, Strathpine West boy. Yeah, Strathpine West, yeah, early, early days. Drew Mitchell. Thank you for joining us today. No worries. Thanks very much for having me, guys. It's an honour. Now, you um, only recently just stopped playing. Yeah. That was a pretty long career. I mean, in terms of professional rugby yep. union, you had a few injuries along the way, but nothing that really fucked you up. <laughs> yeah, really only one bad injury. Like, I, I tore both hamstrings a number of times and had, you know, those ones that put me out four to six weeks here and there. But 2011 uh, at Suncorp, playing for the Waratahs against the Reds, I was chasing a kick. And Scotty Higginbotham may have changed his line just to run me off the ball. And uh, my big toe got caught in the turf and uh, went over on the ankle and, and spun the foot around. So that one put me out for a little bit. Initially, only I got, got back for the World Cup maybe three or four months later, but then had like some pretty bad issues after that. You know, Scott Higginbotham, he's actually got a track record of accidentally landing on someone's leg or foot, doesn't he? Well, I, I played him uh, when I did come back and he was playing for the Rebels then. Yeah. And it was almost like deja vu, like we put a box kick over and I was chasing again. He went to run me off the ball. I said, oh, mate, fuck it, don't do it again. <laughs> and he, he just like just bit straight back. He goes, fuck off, can't I do it? Like, well, I don't know if I could say that. <laughs> yeah, you, right. He goes, mate, I'll fucking do it again. I was like, oh, so I just stopped in my tracks immediately. I was like, I don't need that. <laughs> but we're good, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Another Brisbane boy, actually. Actually, Gold Coast boy, Higginbotham, mm. wasn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. Started in soccer. Fun go. fact, like Dean and Kemp. Now, you played and you were included in two World Cup squads. Three. Three? Yeah. Which one have you discounted me on? Uh, 2011, but that's the one that a lot of people in the industry like to forget. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Well, so, I mean, you know what? I'm pretty for your good. benefit and for our yeah. benefit. Thank you, yeah. For everyone's benefit. I mean, benefit. to be honest, I, I saw where the campaign was going and I, I jumped yep. ship early and I... I, got, I left after the game against Russia. Um, yeah, I got injured in that Russian game and, and got on the first flight out and actually watched the rest of that tournament uh, from a festival, music festival, just off mm. San Francisco uh, on a naval base looking back over the Alcatraz and, and the mainland. Mm-hmm. So I um, couldn't get out of there quick enough. <laughs> Tell us, is that what happens? Is if you get injured in a World Cup, they'll send you home? Do yeah, you? you're on the next flight, basically. Right. Um, there, are, I mean, sometimes the rules differ a little bit, but at that point... No one could come and replace me until I'd left. Yeah. And, oh, uh, right. and I think Lockie Turner was the guy that came over to replace me. And it was literally the next morning I was on a flight. Yeah, and, right. Uh, my parents were coming over to watch the rest of the tournament <laughs> and felt pretty bad about the fact that I was leaving. I was like, Mum, I'm, I've already booked a flight to LA. Don't worry. <laughs> like, yeah. It was only over in New Zealand, though. I mean, like yeah. it wasn't like they were going all the way to Europe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, this World Cup starts uh, this weekend is in Japan. Yeah. Have you played much rugby in Japan? I've played actually no no I played a schoolboys tour there I played one game against uh, the Jap- Japan schools but we played a test match up there against the All Blacks and a Bledisloe but I yeah. um, I was carrying the water on on that occasion and that's that's pretty much my my stint I, I commentated one game for the Sunwolves up there but that's about it right yeah as a rugby player I guess in particularly Australian rugby players they get to travel the world a lot yeah as seen by the beer you're drinking tonight Vonu yeah. Pure Lager uh, which. You must have picked up in your travels. Well, yeah, I just, I just thought it was it was important that we 
acknowledge the clash between the Wallabies and the Fijians this weekend. And, yep. you know, obviously you've got your great drop here, the Batuta bitter. Uh, and I thought maybe I could bring in some Fijian mm. lager and, mm. and wake up uh, pretty dusty tomorrow. Yeah, nice uh, Corona clear bottle. It, yeah. it looks like it's a, a real summer ale. Mm. Now, where was your first kind of uh, getaway? Where did you get to, like, playing outside of Australia? Yeah, that? well, I was actually um, Australian schoolboy. So mm. I once every three or four years is like a big tour mm. and – my year, we went to Japan, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I was 17 years old. And, mm-hmm. and very know, well behaved. Yeah, hadn't, yeah. hadn't really left Australia. I think I played one, had one tour to New Zealand prior to that. That was pretty eye-opening. And yeah. I actually had only been overseas really just for rugby until, I don't know, maybe my mid to late 20s where I actually thought, no, I can need a holiday. I need to get away just to actually go away and, and enjoy it. So, But um, that's, part of, that's part of the appeal with rugby. Well, that's that's kind of rare for uh, for a rugby union boy who have not gone overseas to not go skiing, <laughs> yeah, in Val d'Isere, you know, <laughs> yep. to not see the wonders of the Grand Canyon. But um, how does a boy from Strathpine, you know, like one of the real rugby league heartlands, yeah, how'd you end up playing this code? Well, so my my father uh, was in the army, so um, I was actually born uh, when Dad was based at Holsworthy here out, out west of Sydney and yeah. out. Um, at Liverpool I was born uh, moved around quite a lot but mum and dad settled in, in Brizzy almost when I was what, 11, 12 years old mm-hmm. or something so um, from that point I was I was Brizzy based and he was an inaugura yeah he was yeah. an inaugura then yeah and I was rugby league all growing up so I only played rugby league and even when I went to um, you know when we were in Brisbane I was playing for the Brothers Holy Spirit Hornets mm-hmm. and then went to Aspley Devils a little bit later on but it wasn't until I went to third. I was thirteen. Went to a private school, St Pat's College, out at Shorncliffe, that I played union and league each weekend. And and then it was around seventeen where you know I'd started making some schoolboy teams, and uh, I was speaking to someone at the Canterbury Bulldogs about potentially a Jersey flag um, yeah. deal. So I was faced with either Queensland Reds Co- uh, Academy or Canterbury Bulldogs Jersey flag, and someone said to me, "Drew, rugby league, you can play in." Newcastle and Townsville rugby union can play in Paris and London. Yeah, mm. I was like, "Fuck, where do I sign?" That, yeah, right. Yeah. That was yeah. the decision. I mean, yeah. it is. It is that's it's something a lot of people view uh, when they're weighing the two up because a lot of people mm. do get that option. Well, I suppose that would have all been worth it. You know, after you go from there, you end up in the Reds in your yeah. first year, score eleven tries, and then you in the Wallabies. This is all before you're twenty, twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was you know, like it was. Is quite unique for me because when I was growing, when I was like at secondary school, the guy that I looked up to most was uh, Chris Latham, and I was a left footed yeah. fullback. He was a left footed fullback, and <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I, no, I did. I liked the, the way socks he down, yeah. Chris yeah. Latham. I mean, I, my my like I said, my father's in the army, so I had, I had garters in my socks, mate. Yeah. So, uh, I, had, I had pleats down the front of my shorts, everything. Um, but when I say unique, because then I got to play alongside him, and I was mm-hmm. training alongside him every day. I got to know him, um, you know, personally off the field, and. And then to kind of learn your craft with a guy that you'd looked up to for so long, you know, of course I was never going to push him aside from his favourite position. Yeah. So that's when I, I, you know, I parked up on the left wing. I had a guy, you know, small character in Wendell Saylor on the other wing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like I was, I was around these guys, like, yeah. you know, like it was really quite eye-opening for me really early on. And, uh, you know, Wendell would call me the white Wendell and I was always just going along <laughs> on his coattails and all this sort of stuff. Like, um, and, but... 
you know, Wendell was my, my, my first roomie at, uh, at at professional level. And I didn't, you know, like a lot of my game day preparation was mimicking these players because I didn't yeah. know what my preparation was at that point. Yeah. And I'm a very different person to a Chris Latham and I'm also very different to Wendell. But <laughs> it took me a long time to kind of take bits and pieces from each of their um, preparations yeah. to find what worked for me. But I remember like we used to go on game day, even at home games, to the Sofitel in Brisbane. And you'd partner up and, you, you know, you do your meetings and you'd go and have a nap and whatever and then you'd go downstairs for, for your meal and Wendell wouldn't go down to the meal because we'd be watching Sky Racing <laughs> and he'd order a steak sandwich with chips and two bottles of Coca-Cola up into his room. Like, and he'd just sit there in his red undies and, and I'm like, okay, well, this is obviously acceptable, so I go <laughs> times two. And, uh, and that, that's how, that was my game prep and I realised, you know, pretty early that perhaps... That wasn't yeah. me, and I didn't have the disposable income that Wendell did. Um, <laughs> what but, is bulletproof? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but even then on, on Wallaby tours, he wouldn't let me go to bed until he beat me at FIFA. And, oh, yeah. And he was always like 50 pound for FIFA, like, and so I'd win. I'm thinking 50 pound was like, like I'm living off this for a while, you yeah. know. I'd win, and he's like, nah, we're going again. Double or nothing. And we just keep going until he- He's got a real Michael Jordan energy. Yeah, like, yeah. until he, until I then owed him money. And then he go, all right, Big Dell's going to sleep. And I'm like, what? You got to give me another chance. He's like, no, nah, Big Dell's going to sleep. I'm like, oh, man. So, but it was really quite cool to kind of grow up and yeah. uh, in, in that environment around those guys that I'd looked up to for so long and, and get to know, um, you know, part of what made them great because, you know, what worked for Wendell was to be relaxed and be mm. himself away, you know, like, and, and he- you know, like he doesn't get the career that he had if he didn't know when to switch on and how to switch on. Mm. Chris Latham was, you know, he wasn't doing those types of things, but he had his own way as well about the balance. And mm. um, yeah, it was really quite cool to to see what worked for for different players, and then ultimately find what worked for me. Some yeah. some like we would say, you you had a very long career for you know a full contact sport, but some blokes just keep going. Like yeah, Smith. Is yeah. an example of that. Do you reckon he could still be playing? Like, are there some yeah. blokes you reckon could have played until they were fifty? Oh yeah, George could most definitely still be playing. Um, yeah, but I, th- I think maybe his wife had a fair bit to say about him after <laughs> yeah. a while. Like, because also, I mean, Georgie was he went to France, and then he was back to Japan, then he came to the Reds, and he went back over to the UK, and then he's been in Japan again. Mm-hmm. Like, because of the the way that the game is here in Australia, it's very much turned into a, a young man's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know when when. I first started back in sort of 2004. My first Wallaby tour, I was one of two or three young guys around the age of 20, mm. and the rest were the senior like yeah. statesmen. Now there's almost two or three older guys, yeah. and the rest of the you know you're around 20 to 23. So yeah. there's been a real shift in the last decade about how we view our players. Mm. And, you know, we we see it in in the media or even like just in, on the narrative in social media that as soon as someone hits 30, they're over it, and mm. you're like, well, I can't. yeah. You know, and, and whereas you look at the, the sorry, the Northern Hemisphere and, like, they're celebrating people at 35 and yeah, 36, yeah. like, because they still add value and they, yeah. they know how to, to manage them and get the best out of them as opposed to still training them like they're 18. They, yeah, yeah. they manage them well. Yeah, well, now, you know, there's uh, Adam Ashley Cooper and his, yeah. you know, his... 41 or 42, isn't he? Yeah, well, you know what? He's, he's one day younger than I am. Um, yeah, so he uh, is, is born on the 27th of March, one day after me. Uh, he's also one Wallaby cap behind me. So I was right. Wallaby number 799. He's 800. Yeah. He's got a few more than me now. Um, but uh, And also our, both our mum's names. My mum's name's Karen. His mum's name's Karen. Both spelt the same. Like There's some real um, unique synergies between, you know, like, and, it, and it's, it's also really quite weird because... You don't often become really close friends with yeah. you know people that you're opposing. Like I got yeah. dropped for the 2007 quarterfinal 
at the World Cup for Adam. And, yeah, right. uh, you know, and I, and I, in two years ago, I married him and his wife, Anna, in, in France. Yeah, so, right. you know, we're, we've been able to put those, like, those fierce contests aside yeah. and, and obviously not take it personally because we're not the ones yeah. picking each other ahead of each other. But, yeah, I'm really excited to see Adam get a chance at this World Cup. I know a lot of people have uh, a lot of opinion based on, on the age. Um, yeah. But I, I thought... But if it was Shabal, they'd be cheering. Yeah, know, exactly right. right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that he did it the right way because he was getting offered... You know, an enormous amount in comparison to what he ended up accepting from the Waratahs by the Western Force to go play in that uh, rapid rugby. But I, 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 we had discussions. I said to him, I said, mate, if you want to make a fist at this World Cup push, then you can't give anyone any reason to kind of second-guess decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And if you go over to Western Force and play in rapid rugby, which is not an established competition and play really well, they would say, yeah, but it's rapid rugby. You know, like you're not playing at the super rugby level. But if you come back, play super rugby, albeit taking a, a fair hit to the pocket, mm-hmm. but you play well here, then they, no one can really argue that. It might be that he's just good to be around in the squad and, and provide something through the week and, and really prepare the starting team well, get his opportunity against Georgia and Uruguay, and then, mm. you know, who knows where he's, you know, he ends up. Because I spoke to him last night. And I said, oh, mate, did you get a jersey? And he said, no, not this week. And, you know, and we both sort of said, like, it, it's it's a long tournament. And and I was in the exact same position in 2015. I, didn't, I wasn't in the starting mm-hmm. 23 in the first two games against Fiji and, and England. Uh, and just sort of, I got an opportunity when Rob Horn got injured, but maintained that position even when he came back. And, you know, like, so a starting 15 this weekend is great, but it won't be the starting 15 in the World Cup final. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping that... Um, Do you reckon it's a more kind of explosive type of footy? There's more injuries in World Cup? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, look, there's no time... There's nowhere in any other calendar in, in between World Cups where you're playing seven world... Uh, like international matches back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. seven on the trotler. You get five uh, at a stretch on some spring tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all see, you know, like the drop-off by the back end of those tours uh, on in fatigue and all that sort of thing. So that's why this is such a big squad mentality push and and I think it's also the way that our pools panned out our two strong games first up mm-hmm. if we win those two sorry when we win those two we're in a good position then to then rest a couple of guys and yeah. and you know refreshing through that Georgia Uruguay so that come quarter final time we're ready to go although you don't want to end up like the Springboks did the last Big World Cup where they rested a couple of players and yeah. ended up getting flogged by Japan. So, that was good footy. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was great. And I, I think was, Japan uh, will have their greatest uh, yeah. Rugby World Cup to date. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they'll beat Scotland yep. and they'll qualify second in their pool. Right. Which would be huge, yeah. What do, you, what, do you, what do the players get up to? Like, you know, if it's seven weeks back to back, you're not really allowed to have a drink. Well, you're not allowed, but you do. Yeah. Yeah. My mum brought me over a bottle of rum uh, in a, uh, from customs yeah, right. and just said, oh, look, love, um, you know, I don't know, it's a long tour and whatever, and you know, here's a bottle just in case you want to like a, a little nip in, you know, before bed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but what we, myself, I was in with, uh, with Matt Guido over there and we reached out on Twitter and we wanted to get uh, Jonah Lonely Rugby. And just through the rugby network and the Twitter sphere, as you like, um, we had two PlayStations and two Journal Lobby rugby um, games yeah. delivered to the hotel. Right. Yeah, trade off for some kit, and yeah. so we just sit there over night time, play some Journal Lobby rugby, and have a couple of rums and yeah, yeah. put ourselves <laughs> to sleep. So, but I mean, that was obviously not an every night thing, but yeah, a lot of um, Uno. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, a lot of that. We just go to coffee and, and play a lot of that. Real you, family holiday vibes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's chilled. I mean, the last one we had those, you know, is that, I don't know if it was a craze. I, it's probably 
Fidget spinners. No, those um those little hoverboard things. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. everyone got those. Like you we didn't I don't even think my that feet. That sounds touched. really, really dangerous. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, right, yeah. That's like that's that is just asking to have your wrist smashed. Yeah, I mean I, I don't know how they allowed us to do it because my feet didn't touch the carpet in the hotel once. Like, straight out of bed I'd sit on it, go to the bathroom, I'd go into the lift. We even like went over to the gym that was set up quite close to the field, like into the hotel where we're at. And like will we go up the street to the recovery center? Like like it was pretty reckless in hindsight, but yeah. we we're pretty lucky that no one got injured as a cause of those. Did you see the culture change on tour from the start to the end of your career? Yeah, I, I think you know what? I think a lot of it's come from external pressures. Yeah. Sponsorship, you know, media and the the reporting of it. Um I think the like a sad thing for me is in today's media is that newspapers and the like are starting to ask people to send in stories or yeah, sending yeah. photos and like that just breeds yeah. a really poor culture. Like when you go out and just having a quiet beer or something and then like poor old Steve Smith in New York getting yeah. hammered when yeah. he was trying to keep a low profile. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. kind well, of thing. You know, like- he was in the middle of a big band, you know. So <laughs> I guess, you know, he isn't going to be like, well, I've got a big game in New York at the yeah. end of the week. Yeah, you know? but the user-generated news is... Yeah, I mean, that, that, that changes it. Uh, like, you know, my first spring tour, 2004, we arrived and it was uh, Halloween. Yeah, right. And we got split up into mini groups and type five, you know, back row... Front, front rowers union yeah yeah and uh in, inside backs and outside backs and you just you'd go out and like we were playing dodgeball at the walkabout with pumpkin heads and yeah. like you know like completely loose yeah, yeah um but that was sort of that was the encouragement go out and stay up as long as you can so you get a decent sleep and we'll start you know and then we but everyone there was a real culture back then you know by your georgie smiths your jeremy pauls and the guys that like to, to enjoy pauls. themselves yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to enjoy themselves but they, they really drove the if you if you want to play up you front up yeah, yeah. and in the moment you didn't back up and 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 train and aim up at training yeah. was then you basically got told not from the management but from the players you're, you're now like you know you're not able to go out yeah. so yeah from straight away there was an expectation on each other and then, you know, from a young guy coming in, I just didn't want to put a foot wrong. So, yeah. like, you know, and I think that's also where the shift is as well in having so many elder statesmen mm. and so many guys that you respect. Yeah. Um, there's a different culture within the team with that as well. But it's a shame now when you see it so much. Oh, why can't they stay off the piss? It's like they're professional. They, they get paid a million dollars. They should stay. Like, it doesn't matter how much yeah. you get paid, right? Yeah. Anyone yeah. from 18 to 35... You're asking them to not have a vice from Young January to, Young to, yeah. to, to December. <laughs> and then we wonder why there's indiscretions in December because yeah. they're all like all of a sudden it's like their first drink ever. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, so I think we, we got into a period here at Rugby Australia where, or and, you know, Western Force, where we're getting breathalyzed. Yeah, like yeah. the day after a game, we had to be zero. Breathalyzed? We're getting breathalyzed the morning after recovery and you had to be zero. I was like, so I could legally drive at point oh three. stinks of Robbie Deans. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Sleeper cell. You took the words right out. <laughs> um, well, well, you know, that kind of moves me on to my next question is that for years and years and years, the yardstick by which every team is measured is the All Blacks. Yeah. Do you think that the All Blacks have, have a culture like this where – if you work hard, you you can party hard, and if you, you party hard, don't get caught. Yeah, I mean, don't I, hang out I, with Lockyer. You know what? I, I think yeah, yeah I, I think that you get thirty guys in yeah. an environment for a long period of time. Yeah. You know, immensely disciplined and focused, yeah. and, and and make sacrifices. There's got to be there's got to be a release, right? Yeah. Like everyone needs a release at some point, but everyone does it to varying degrees as well. I mean, I don't think a, a Richie McCaw 
wouldn't necessarily go out there and get too loose. But you I could go you know, play with no. his flight simulator somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah drunk, drunken flying in a <laughs> simulator or something. No, but but there would be some guys in that all black environment over the you know the last ten years when they've been completely dominant. Yeah, where they would have been able to. And and I've had yeah. some big nights with all blacks after games. So yeah. like it's it's about the the culture in which they created. Mm-hmm. Um, what they the respect that they've got for one another to know when to do it, how far to push it, yeah. but when to aim up. And when you get that right, that can be a really powerful thing. And you know, I think for a period there, you know, when Michael Checker came in, he's like, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm not going to have rules and curfews and breathalysers and all the rest of it." He said, "I'm going to treat you like men, and I bet I expect you to act like men. But if if you act like kids, then I'll treat you like kids, yeah. right?" Whereas I think previous. Um, administrations and coaches and, and not just with Wallabies but other Super Rugby teams went the other way and said straight away we're going to treat you like kids yeah. so what what yeah. we got were people acting like kids and yeah. that's where we had you know in those periods where we actually had the strictest rules the strictest rules we yeah. had more off-field indiscretions than ever you were you were privy to the kind of you got to see the brat era uh, when it was in full flight mm. a lot of those guys are growing up now and like, most of them are playing yeah, to back this weekend. Yeah. yeah, and that's that wasn't a new thing. Although every single time it happened, it's a generational fucking warfare. Yeah, and they yeah. always argue that this is new and the young yeah. kids don't have respect. But you know, the generation before that did that as well. Mate, I, I was, I wasn't in a position where I just got to see that. Like I was a part of it. Mm-hmm. Like to to again varying degrees. Like, but you know, also maturity and and experience perhaps yeah. got me away with it a little yeah. bit more, or or I just had a better understanding of when to to call it a night or when to remove myself from an inflammatory situation or something yeah. like that. And and that's where I think... <laughs> the it, moonwalk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah this is a new boys. Um, but um, I think that's also the shift as well. When they say a generational thing, it was happening yeah. years ago. Yeah. But there, was, there wasn't someone sitting there recording it. Yeah, Or there wasn't it. someone capturing yeah. it. But- or there wasn't someone tweeting it going, oh, this guy, these guys were playing pokies the night before a game. Like, yeah. you know, like it's... But the, you yeah. know, that said, like... Uh, I mean, you're good mates with Guido. Yeah. Guido had that about him. Mm-hmm. Guido had that whole. He was he was brushed with that whole James O'Connor thing yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. And he came back and and everyone I think deep down knew that O'Connor would do that, right? Yeah. But mm. but he was he seemed pretty bad when he left. Yeah. I mean, it it probably just took him a little bit longer mm. than everyone had hoped to mm. to realize that. And um, you know, you say you know, like a lot of people have said, you know, like surely at, at some point when he was. He left uh, Australian rugby unceremoniously and went over the first time. That surely he's learnt now, and he yeah. came back and it didn't work for the Reds, and he went back and got in trouble in France. Shortly, and you know, it's like you know, because he didn't learn then, we should he'll still like learn. he'll never he'll never learn, and we should never accept him back. And he's kind of gone on this. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't like the term, but he's gone on this journey. Yeah. Um. And but whatever it is, it's ringing it's true to him, and, it, and it's working. Playing and, good and footy. That's yeah, all. And, and the good thing is, he's not just saying the right things, but he's backing it up with his actions. And, yeah. And like, I'm super proud of James to, um, you know, to see where he's come from and and how far, um, you know, he's he's got himself to to be in this position because, you know, it was last year's uh, spring tour where he asked me, "Do you mind putting me in touch with Michael Checker?" Mm-hmm. And I said, mate, I'll, I'll do it, but I'm going to ask Czech if, if he minds first before just giving you his number. And Do you reckon Czech has changed the whole uh, – I mean, two years ago, even a year ago, two, three years ago, though, uh, rugby felt pretty pretty grim in Australia. Yeah. Do you reckon that's been Checker? Do you reckon he's he's kind of changed this whole atmosphere, this attitude? There's a bit more of a winning yeah. feeling, a bit I mean, more winning you know culture. What? Like, Czech is a guy – and. 
like I admire him a lot I, and I don't try and hide behind that um, he's a former coach of mine he has picked me and he's also dropped me and we've had a really stern talking to him we were poking each other in the chest yeah. but I think you know when you when you when you front someone like that, especially you know the personality like Czech, I think he respects you for it. Yeah. And you know that didn't get me picked, yeah. <laughs> but it got, yeah. it got it off my chest. Yeah. Um, but he's just a guy that just doesn't give a shit about what anyone thinks. Yeah. You know, like externally, mm-hmm. he'll have you know he's close confidants of people that he confides in, and and that um, you know he respects their their opinion and, and all that sort of thing. But he does well under siege. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he he loves that. Yeah. Like yeah. that's where he thrives, and yeah. it's almost like you know for. Rugby Australia to do well, like we all should almost manufacture a little bit more of that, you yeah, know, yeah. like so that he's he's very good at it's sort of us versus them. And Raylene does pretty well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. no, look, I also really like Raylene as yeah. well. Um, I think she came in at a really difficult time. Mm-hmm. She came in the first thing she had to deal with was the first, um, the first Instagram tweet, post, yeah, yeah. <laughs> first Instagram post, and then that went for a period of time from from Israel, and then twelve months later I had to revisit it again. Mm-hmm. Plus, the game was, um, you know. Nowhere near its at its strongest, and mm. she kind of assumed a role in an organisation at that level. There are going to be people there that want it to thrive. There are going to be people there to serve their own agendas, yeah. and you need a period of time to know who to trust, right? Mm. And unfortunately, during that period of time, we're in a, a position where you know we're on un, we're under siege, and so I think in some ways she's been unfairly judged mm-hmm. for um, a large part of her role. And I, I, I think moving forward, and I think also you have a coach come in, you get a result that weekend. Mm-hmm. Or a player comes in, you get a result that yeah. weekend on, on their performance. And someone in administration takes over the reins. It takes a quite a long time to see the effect that they've actually had with yeah. things they've implemented. But when we're so passionate as rugby supporters mm-hmm. and we know that our game's not anywhere near where we want it or we feel like it should be, we want immediate change, and we yeah. want. And if, if we don't see that, then you know we we pick off whoever it is in the in the in the driver's seat. She, she has done well, and I, I guess she'd come from. It's a different background uh, where she's come from. I guess she's come from the bulldog. She'd be mm. used to being under siege yeah. and the fucking things she yeah. had to deal with. Yeah, well, there. I mean, I think you know, even how she left the bulldogs. I don't, you yeah. know, I think it's misguided in that people felt threatened by her, so yeah. they got rid of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't because she wasn't capable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like you know what, this is our boys' club, and yeah. We're starting to get exposed. Let's let's get rid of whoever it is that's doing the exposing. So, Raylene wasn't the CEO in my time. Yeah. I've just met her since I've retired, and I've been really impressed by her. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some of the things that um, that transpire, and that we can actually say, you know what, that was that's like her her thumbprint on that. Can you tell us, like, I mean, if you were playing? What Izzy was getting up to, how would have that affected the team? Can the players actually just put the blankers on to that kind of off-field shit? Um, yeah. Well, again, it's different, right? Mm-hmm. Experienced players can. Mm-hmm. Young guys coming through, like when I like when I was talking about not knowing what my ideal preparation was, mm-hmm. maybe I couldn't have. Like yeah. maybe these young guys haven't got to that point where they're able to just to flick on the switch and, and flick, uh, flick it off when they um, leave the field. But... There's always potential for that type of... I mean, it, was, it had an effect. It's probably mm. still having an effect, but the the biggest thing is limiting that effect, right? And yeah. Michael Hooper, because obviously it was Waratah's time at the time, um, really quick to get the senior players in and also then the, the Wallaby camps through that, you know, the course of the Super Rugby time where all the teams from each of the Super Rugby teams came together. And they just... They addressed it quickly, and but the, the the important thing is with those types of issues is understanding that you're going to have people on both sides of the argument, right? There are people with who are really religious, and 
also people who are really tight with Israel mm-hmm. and also people who are completely opposed to what he said. Um, you know, so you want, first you've got to recognize and acknowledge that there's going to be differing opinions in that group. You've got to read the room. Yeah, yeah. but then yeah. you've also got to give a platform for everyone to be heard, right? Yeah. Like, and, and not just be heard in that, okay, yeah, we tick the box, everyone said their piece, but be heard and then understand what it is that they're struggling with or what they, you know, what it is that they feel, you know, aggrieved by. And then given that opportunity to be supported either way, yeah. because I think the moment you, you deny someone's opinion because it's not the same as yours, that then has the potential to cause a Friction. toxic environment, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and fractions within the group and all that sort of stuff. And so I think they did a really good job in getting everyone together, giving everyone a platform, giving everyone the time to say what it is that they wanted to say mm-hmm. um, and then addressing it. And so that they could at some point as quickly as they could park it and then you know, just focus on the task at hand, which was preparing for this World Cup. So I don't see it as being an issue now. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it would have had an issue with the Waratahs, you know, mid-season. And it had the potential for the Wallabies, but I don't think it would yeah. have had too much. Yeah, they shut it down before that. Well, now that that's behind everyone, yeah, and it hasn't really affected the preparations too much, you'd think, with the the results against the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, so moving forward to the one, World one Cup. One of those results. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know... You, the Perth result. Yeah. You've got to take your good with the bad. Yeah, yeah. Especially in rugby. Yeah, but, exactly, um, yeah. But um, just moving forward to the World Cup, providing that we uh, we make it out of the pool. Yeah. Which we will. Yeah, which we will, which you'd hope. We've got to get some uh, coach whisper shit going on. Yeah, yeah, in this yeah. Pool, we, but, um, we will win against the opposition. Yeah. How deep do you, do you reckon we can go? Because the Wallabies have have a track record of going deep. Yeah. At World Cups. Yeah, we love going deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mate, I, honestly, uh, look, I'm obviously biased as well. Like I'm a super fan as much as I am a former player as well. So you know, like, I grew up watching them and wanting to be a part of it. And then I was just one of the lucky few that mm-hmm. had that that chance to pull the jersey on. But I have really strong faith in in their ability to bind together and and singularly focus on that outcome mm-hmm. and and they'll build momentum through that campaign and I, I honestly th- see Australia playing South Africa in the final yeah right yeah and I, really? I think South Africa will beat the All Blacks on Saturday the the All Blacks are going to choke again are they well I mean they're your words um, <laughs> I, I just think like you know a month ago in the rugby championship South Africa played New Zealand in Wellington and it was a draw yeah they're now mm. on neutral territory New Zealand has suffered another loss since then, which was against Australia. Yep. Sure, they bounced back really well yep. um, against us in Eden Park. Had basically a trot around against Tonga. But I think of all, well, of the last three World Cups, they're not as dominant as they have been going into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And South Africa, for me, like they've got a really deep squad. Yep. Yeah. Um, any one of their players that aren't wearing a jersey this weekend could go in, excuse me, and do a job. Mm-hmm. I, I what I would really love is for the Wallabies to play the All Blacks in a say a semi final. Yeah. Um, I've got to look at uh, you know whether that's even possible with the draws, quarter final or semi final, because it'll be the third time we play them this year. And I'd love for the New Zealand Rugby Union to go look, we're going to put the Bledisloe on the line for here. It's one all. Yeah. And not not only is it to get through to the World Cup final, but it's also for the Bledisloe or something yeah, like, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that'd be pretty cool. It yeah. would be. I mean, that, yeah, because there's I, been. Do there's they been play a, well in Japan, the All Blacks? They beat us there. Yeah. 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 They um, also. 
play quite well in Chicago. They've <laughs> had a couple of games over there against the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. Well, they also they lost to Ireland in, they in did. America. Yeah, right. I think it was yeah. in Chicago. Um, but yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Did they lose a bit of steam with Richie? And um, you know what? Like we, we thought the year after Rugby World Cup. There's no Carter, no yeah. Nonu, no yeah. McCaw. Like, how's our chance? And they've got Barrett, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kane, Reed. Like, you know, like, ah. Um, so, I mean, testament to them, right? Like, it's one thing being the best in the world, but to be able to maintain that for a long period of time, like, mm-hmm. they're, they're a pretty handy side. And I played 18 games or something against them, one, two. Yeah, right. Yeah, like. Well, that was in the peak of his 85% win rate, Richie's yeah. captain, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, see, and. <laughs> I um I actually think that maybe there are a chance now that I'm not there yeah, because yeah. <laughs> in 2001 I was a part of the Australian schoolboys team that um, played a game down here in Sydney and we went to Rugby Australia's head office and at the time we were the holders of Low and World Cup trophies yeah and I got a photo with both of them and it was the last time I've touched either of them <laughs> so maybe I put some type of jinx on, on on any team that I was in to, to actually not be able to achieve it so I'm hoping that the boys go out there this this um, this Rugby World Cup and and uh, and bring it back well it's the first one where the Irish are going in uh, as the, the number one team in the world mm. so that'd be interesting it's interesting how they come to that yeah. to be honest yeah like, your likes of what they've lost one game yeah. This year they've drawn one against um, South Africa, and Wales went to number one two weeks ago. Wales haven't beaten the yeah. All Blacks since the fifties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they got—they're now number four, and they've only lost one yeah. game since. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Even Augustine Pichot, the long-haired um, Argentinian halfback of yesteryear, he's the vice president of World Rugby, and he said these rankings are a joke. And <laughs> yeah. he's like, "So, mate, they're your rankings." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the only ones that are really taking them seriously, the rankings are the Irish and Welsh supporters in the last couple of weeks. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, the ones that matter are, you know, November 3 once um, yeah, yeah, the World yeah. Cup's decided. Uh, where do you think, I mean, Australia is such a, a, you know, a big country and there's so many different rugby fan bases. But New Zealand, it's top to bottom, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, What was it like for you walking the streets there as a... In New Zealand? Yeah, as a Wallaby. Did they... Uh, you know what, generally they're, they're pretty good, yeah. right? Um the, yeah. Maybe the, the times after a game where everyone's been at the, at the cake tin or in the park and they're full as a boot, then some get a little bit boisterous. Yeah. But yeah. I think on, on on a large part, more often than not, they're they're, they're really like yeah. respectful in that way. The ones where someone will come up here and you know up to you in Australia and ask for a photo. Which of course, and then all the last minute they go, go the All Blacks, and you're like, (laughs) and I think it's like the the funniest thing in the world. I'm like, you guys got to get better humour, but then they go, well, you guys got to get better at rugby. Um, (laughs) Okay, (laughs) yeah, no, it's um, it's an interesting one. Where do you see little heartlands in in Australia? Obviously, North Brisbane, where you grew up. Yeah. Whether that's I mean, um, North or the Filth, it's like a. Well, I was, I was, mate, I was Pine Rivers Pumas. Yeah, right. Um, but then I, my Colts was uh, UQ. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I was on an Australian schoolboys tour, and it was largely filled with the Queensland schoolboys team, mm-hmm. and we we're all on the tour. Like, well, we were going to play Colts next year, and basically, ten went to UQ and ten went to Sunnybank. Yeah, right. Um, but. I mean, there are two vastly different demographics. Yeah, well, yeah exactly right. Yeah, um, we went through undefeated. We beat them in the finals, so that was a nice little uh, little cherry on the top. But I mean, there, there are so many different like 
little heartlands everywhere you go. You know, mm. there's country te- teams, there's yeah. southern The New teams. England, North New South Wales, yeah, kind of like, Tamworth. Yeah. Every, I just think, you know what, I, I think for too long we've relied on the GPS system mm. to to provide our future Wallabies and, and now Wallaroos yeah. as well. And I, I just, like for me, having the Indigenous jersey uh, been introduced to actually a playing strip in the last few years mm-hmm. has been like a, a huge step yeah. forward for us. Um but in saying that, in the graphic of the jersey, um, there were fourteen pools, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the in the artwork of it, and each pool represented a player, the right. fourteen Indigenous players that have mm-hmm. played for the Wallabies. Now, there's there are over nine hundred and fifty people that have played for Australia. To only have fourteen Indigenous representatives, I think for us is mm-hmm. like that's a real shame, right? Yeah. And it's a shame because we haven't tapped into, we haven't gone, you know, to. The indigenous communities. We haven't gone uh, yeah. into Central Australia and and yeah. and not just provided with an opportunity as a pathway for rugby, but everything that rugby gives us, which yeah. for me was education. It was yeah. like healthcare. It was like yeah. all these all these other issues in in society that yeah. we're privy to. And um, you know, I feel like we're not doing enough. Yeah, to- La Perouse is pretty much the only community that they kind of tapped into. There were the Ellers yeah. and yeah, yeah. And so Randwick. Yeah. I, I think for you know, I think that's you know, that's that's our next. Yeah, right. Like, I, I think that should be our, our next thing, not just to provide people with, you know, not because we want to just make them all. Yeah, yeah. Give them opportunities to play <laughs> for the Wallabies, but. Rugby's it gives us so much. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, even if I wasn't to play, like you, the the feel that you get at your local club team or your school team, because like, yeah. some of the some of the most fond memories that I have from rugby are my school ones. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're when you're going to school, when you won that first match, in yeah, Germany, yeah, exactly. <laughs> mate, w- w- I remember we lost to Morris Brothers Ashgrove thirteen seven. We took a photo of the scoreboard because we never got that close. <laughs> like, you know, but we, you know, from thirteen to seventeen, eighteen years old, you're spending from. 8 a.m. in the morning to some nights 6 o'clock after training. Mm-hmm. But through all your, like, adolescent years where you're going through puberty and you're getting your first girlfriends and yeah. you, you're failing at school, you're succeeding. You're, you're still you, playing you're, footy every Saturday morning. But yeah, but you're yeah. riding through yeah. this with all your mates. So you mm-hmm. know each other, like, mm-hmm. far deeper than you do it at a professional yeah. level. So yeah. that's why I also think it's a really important thing to have access to at schools and, and not just the GPS schools yeah. but every school. And, um, you know, and if... You know, well, they'll, they'll, be, playing in that, they'll through, be playing in that jersey... Yeah, against Uruguay. Uruguay, so and then I think they've also asked for the quarter or semi-final. Should we make it through? Yeah, Um, we've requested that we play in that. So that'll be dependent on. But if it is if it is a final against South Africa, they might be playing in the indigenous jersey. Uh, alternative strip. Yeah, well, that's it. So depends yeah. on who. There, yeah. there might be a toss. So like, yeah. who who's the home team? If we are, then they'd have to wear their uh, alternative strip. So right. I think it's it's a like it's a beautiful looking jersey but the sentiment behind it is one that we is it's great that we have it but it's also i think too late um but we can't yeah. we can't change what's happened mm-hmm. um in terms of the jersey but i think i think the the artwork and i've, I've suggested this to raylene actually i think the artwork should be embedded in the jersey right yeah. because you know like it's it's part of who we are it's the threat yeah. of our nation right and i think if the jersey, so you could only like still from afar, it looks like the normal Wallaby yeah, yeah. gold jersey. But you, if you're up close, you can see the different design through yeah. it. So it's a part of the thread of our jersey as yeah, well yeah. As, it, as much as it is the thread of our country as yeah. well. So, yeah. um, and then on those one, the, you know, the one-off games that we we choose to really highlight it and pop it with uh, with the green or whatever colours, yeah. Um, yeah, we can yeah. do that as well. But I mean, it, it makes sense considering about it was it was 15 years ago the All Blacks were 
trolling out new hawkers on us and, mm. and, and yeah. scaring the fuck out of us. What was that I one they did? Did you ever face that one? Yeah, <laughs> I did, yeah. That was when... I wish, I wish they still did that. Yeah. No, that, that, that was the coolest thing. I mean, like... <laughs> Mm. Uh, yeah, that's the politically correct world coming in, yeah. saying, you know what, you can't yeah. be doing that. I'm like, suppose they're you not, can't do I, that like, now. I, I hope they're yeah. not going to do that. Like, yeah. um, but I mean, the Harker, you know, some people don't like it. Some people think it gives them an unfair advantage. I think it's part of what makes rugby yeah, quite yeah. unique because, and Mate, I say, for, unique, for a lot of people who don't watch rugby, they know about the Harker. You know, exactly what I mean? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And I, I just think, I mean, the Harker's done by. Other sporting teams. Uh, the worst is the the tall blacks. The yeah, basketball. Yeah. They do it in the shoes. It also looks like you know. And I've spoken about to Ali Williams about this. I said, mate, you almost you look like a pelican trying to take flight. Like you're out there and you yeah. had these, these big long arms just like flapping around. And he always made himself really quite obvious out on the front right flank. Um, but he, you know, because he was our teammate of ours in Toulon. But he, he just said, mate, like, I knew I looked stupid, but I was so yeah. into it that I didn't yeah. care. And yeah. and that's, I think, when you're facing it, it's just raw emotion. Like, yeah. whether it's theirs or, or not, you feel it. And, it mm. you know, like, it, it really, you know, gets the, the hair standing up on the back of mm. my neck just talking about it now. Like, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. But it doesn't, like, it doesn't mean to say that we, we then line up at kickoff time, like, yeah. you know, mm. Quivering in our boots, like mm. we'll see. Some people, some people get fired up by watching it. Yeah, we'll see. And, and, and um, I mean, I was never really the fire up guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, sometimes the the All Blacks now take a little bit of time after it. Yeah. Because when they receive a kickoff, they feel like they they it had been said for at one point that they felt they were still so high on emotion that they'd get a bit like snatchy or jittery at the ball. Yeah. So when we'd put the ball up or someone would put the ball up, they often would make an error off that first kickoff because right. they were still so highly strung because of the haka. Right. So they'd now take a, you know, um, and, and teams would take some time to take their tracksuit off and just really mm. try and whatever. But yeah, in actual fact, teams should really try and get that ball in play as quickly well, as yeah. possible. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that the same thing used to happen to the Wallabies when they used to listen to a... Uh, to, to waltzing Matilda you know, <laughs> after, after the kickoff they used to get John so amped it's like yeah. fucking John <laughs> uh, yeah I mean look that, I mean that's that, that was great for atmosphere yeah, it was yeah. never really going to like get anyone fired up but um, yeah. but I do remember we played a couple of games where we'd Except won and John Williams would get on the on the bus yeah. and because after every test match win on the bus on the way back to the hotel we'd sing True Blue yeah. and you know, a couple of occasions we had John playing it while we were you know, not having yeah. to listen to on Spotify or something so <laughs> that, were, that were pretty cool moments but my first ever haka from a all black team so I done it in junior teams but never all blacks until my my first ever start so Latho got injured and I got the the fullback jersey and Tana Umanga was their captain oh boy right yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he was saying all week we're going to target this young guy at the back and I was like oh, I don't need to read that tell like, him the media oh, like, yeah <laughs> like, I'm like oh shit and like you know so I'm, I'm like what, what have I got myself into you know like was, I think it's maybe a second or third cap but it was my first start and so I go out for the, the haka and, you know, at that time I was like, you know, there's so much going on that you don't really know what, like where to look. I, you know, I'm almost like a bit of an old, like... You make eye contact with yeah, Tana. Like, <laughs> but then, but then I, I, I did. I made eye, con- eye contact with Tana Umanga. <laughs> and, you know, like the guy's like a scary looking dude, right, with yeah, his dreadlocks yeah. and he's like, and he's just his aura and he's like, you yeah. know, like you know, his dude. reputation. Yeah, he's, he's, a a, he's an amazing guy, right? But... When he's staring you down doing this haka, like, and I'm like, and then, so I'm staring at him and I'm like, 
shit, he might think I'm like throwing a challenge back at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then I'm like, well, if I look away, he's going to think I'm a pussy. <laughs> so I was having this like real like moral like conundrum in my mind, just going, do I look away? No, I don't. Like, and I'm like, ah. don't, don't, don't smile. Yeah. No. And then um, you know, yeah. they they uh, they finished it and we got on with the game. But I. I scored a try maybe 20 minutes into that game. I got back to halfway and vomited my guts up. Like right. all these nerves that I was just sort of trying to hold down. Just like, just went, nah, I'm going to get oh. out. So, yeah, thanks for that one, Tana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what are we thinking? Fiji, how much by this weekend, you reckon? I, I said 15. Yep. Yeah, yep. 15, I think. I, look, they're an amazing side, Fiji. Like, their back line would win X Factor if they all went on there. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. They, they're that good, right? Even in, to, to, to be fair to their forward pack, some pretty handy players. They're like their second rower, yeah. Nakarawa, he yeah. won a gold medal in the, in the sevens team at the Olympics. Right. Like, mm. a, like, could you imagine one of our locks playing sevens? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, it just doesn't no. happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, they're stupidly skillful. I just think if we go, like, if we stick to the structure of our game, then we'll, we'll, we should probably do it yeah. reasonably comfortably. Yeah. But if we get lured into playing an offload, high-paced, transitional type of game, then that's where they, they, yeah. that would play right into their hands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We just have to play the full eighty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, say. yeah, I mean, this is this is a game where you almost, as fans, we want it to, to to see like a really entertaining game. Mm-hmm. But for the Wallabies, almost need to like really dull it down yeah. and just play corners because Sammy Rudra he. Is almost played exclusively at outside centre in his yeah. rugby career, so he's at, he's on the wing this time. So p- positionally, there could be an opportunity behind him. Mm-hmm. Josh Tui Solva, he's a former teammate of mine at Toulon. He's like, he's a beast. Yeah. Like that guy is an absolute animal. Watch him. I think he'll really take this World Cup by storm. Yeah. But positionally, perhaps not his strongest um, suit of, yeah. of, of his game. So. I know we say we, we sometimes we kick the ball away too much, but yeah. there's I think there'll be time for good. Well executed tactical kicking if they do it well. Yeah. If they don't, they're going to get they're going to get uh, they're going to get burnt. Well, there it is. Thanks for joining us, Drew. No worries. Thanks, boys. Thanks. No worries. So, well, good luck to the Wallabies and yeah. um, good luck to the other um, you know second teams that we all might have out there. Uh, Who would be your second team? I mean, I was going to say Georgia, but it turns out we're playing them. So, well, yes, yeah, Georgians mm. are. They're mm. going to be strong. They're, yeah. they're forward pack. Like, yeah. There are 30 Fijian professional wingers in top 14 in France. Yeah, right. There are 30 Georgian props. <laughs> so they're, they're going to be strong. Yeah. They're going to be strong. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess Who else is there? Any other South yeah. Americans? I was born in, uh, in Hong Kong, so I was, okay. I was very filthy. That yeah, they the, just uh, missed out, actually. That, yeah. They got beaten by those fucking Canadians. <laughs> so um, I guess I'm going to have to go with Canada. Okay, nice. Right. Yeah, mine obviously would be French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spent a bit of time there. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and your friends with the guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. and you good. obviously like to eye gouge people too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for joining, Drew. No worries. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.